to have the pain gone. Sorry, I'm getting my stuff while I do this. How wonderful it was to have the pain gone um, and how quick it was because on Sunday, I was talking to John. I said, you'll let me know when you're going in for surgery, right? So I can come pray with you. And he said, sure. And that was on Sunday. And then I heard Tuesday night he was over in Bend to have surgery on his leg on Wednesday. And he said, and I talked to John, and this is God working, and you need to know this miracle. The thing that was holding him up was somebody needed to take care of Esther. And the, prayer, the nursing home in Prairie City didn't have a place. And so it was all contingent on whenever that would happen. He gets a call Sunday night from the hospital. We've got an opening on, on um, I guess he got the call on Monday night or on Monday. We've got an opening on Wednesday for, for the surgery. We need to know by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And so he still hadn't heard anything from Prairie City. He calls them, and all of a sudden they had an opening. Last Friday they had none. Tuesday they had one. And he found out five minutes before they were going to give his surgery appointment to somebody else. Yeah, God's timing's amazing, isn't it? Keeps your heart moving because it doesn't always happen the way you think it should, but man, does it happen. And he was able to have his surgery. He's not back yet, uh, but he will be in the next day or two. Today or tomorrow, probably. So anyway, and Esther's doing great over there. She's doing great. And I know several of you have visited her, and I really appreciate that. And keep it up. It's just great that you're doing that. Thank you very much. Uh, last week I started talking about our new purpose statement, and that's one thing I brought up here and promptly sat down. Right there, pray. That's our new purpose statement. And I told you what it stood for. We're going to hang this on that wall back there so that as you go out the door you can see it. To remember to pray. Because we're not here just to have potlucks, even though I like potlucks. And we're not here just to have... Um, I'm rolling this up again just so it's not in my road. And we're not here just to have fellowship or prayer times that are just about us. We're here for God to use. We're here for a purpose. God made you. Have you ever wondered, why did God create me? Okay, you don't have to nod your heads, but I've wondered that. Not why did God create you, by the way, but why did God create me? <laughs> I've wondered why God created me. I, I have asked him over and over and over again, and there are times in my life where I just didn't get it. But my job at this time in this place, handed down by God, is to help us as a body grow closer to him, witness for him to each other, and encourage each other in, in growing in our relationship with God. And also to reach out to the hurting world that's out there. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a hurting world out there. Just one little example, it didn't happen here. It happened at, in Nampa on Wednesday night. 
I went to the Zone Pastors meeting on Thursday morning in Baker, and they were talking about the events that happened in Nampa on Wednesday night about 11.30. There was a um, domestic dispute. A husband and wife were quarreling. So the cops were called by the neighbors. The cops showed up. The husband jumped in his, his old blazer. It was a 70-something blazer. Tried to run over a couple cops on his way out the door. They shot at him. They didn't hit him, but they put holes in the blazer. And he, you know, the campus at, at Northwest Nazarene University is pretty much shut down. There's only a couple roads in. And the other roads, they have gates on. Well, he busted through a gate and, and ended up into, um, it used to be a road called Amity, but it's not a road anymore. It's grass. And in the middle of that grass in front of the Brant Center is a statue of Jesus that's about 10 feet tall. He ran into Jesus. <laughs> hey, uh, so the comments that were going on was, if he gets saved, he's going to say, the night I ran into Jesus. And somebody else is going, Jesus, take the wheel, and things like that. But, but it all started, and then he got arrested because he also had drugs on him. But it all started because he and his wife got in a fight. Because we're a broken down group of people. I read this week in, in a book that, that said, if we were perfect, we'd be God and we're not God. So we have to give ourselves a break and turn to Jesus. And so that's my responsibility here to live in a way that helps you. I cannot make you a Christian. I cannot even make you better, just like I can't make you prettier or younger. I can't do any of that, but I can show you Jesus, and that's my responsibility here. And so that's why we have this new purpose statement which is no different than the old one, except there's been a couple things added to it. And so our purpose statement will be on the wall next week when you see it. It'll be pray. And the P stands for praise God, but it also stands for pinpoint God. You know, you've got to know God if you're going to praise God. And so we have to pinpoint Him, know who He is. And what he does. While we were singing about God's amazing grace and Jesus dying on Calvary, and, and, and in the song it was the love that he has for us, but do you know why Jesus had love for us? Because he loved God so much, he loved his creation. And the more we love God, and the more we know God, the more we can love the people around us. And then the R stands for reveal to each other who God is. And I know that some of you heard this last week. But we have to go over it again and again so that we can remember it. Reveal to each other who God is. That's us right here. We call it worship. And, and we love God so much that we worship God in our actions. That's Romans 12. Which we'll get to this next week. We've read through Romans 5 today, and Romans 12 is next week. But in Romans 12, 1, it says, Make your life a living sacrifice, for this is true worship. In other words, the way we live amongst each other, and here's why it has to be amongst each other. Because 
we'll, we'll use me for an instance. This isn't true, by the way. This is just a, for instance, say on Sunday morning, I'm here preaching about God and, and good things like that and, and telling you how you need to go to God. Then on Monday, I go rob the bank or, or get arrested for beating my wife or get caught in a drug deal or something like that, my witness is gone, isn't it? You guys won't believe anything I ever say. And that's why we have to reveal to each other, live in such a way that each of us can see God. And there are times when I need you to come alongside me and hold me up so that I can carry on, and you need me to come alongside you and hold you up so that you can carry on. Remember about three years ago, a high school uh, state champion track meet, I think it was the 1500 or the 3000. Uh, It was a girl's race, and they were racing for all they were worth, and one girl fell and hurt her leg, and another girl stopped and picked her up and helped her across the line, and then let her cross the line first, and then stepped across, then got disqualified because you're not supposed to touch the other runners. But that's what we have to do to each other. We can't just step over each other and run on. we got to lift each other up, and that's reveal to each other who God is. That's the R. The A is approach others for God. That means... Build relationships so that God can use us. Don't go out on the street corner or into Dairy Queen and see somebody you don't know and sit down and let me tell you about God. It's more of we go and build relationships. You have those already, people you work with, people you live with, neighbors. Build relationships with them so that God can be, that, that they have the opportunity to know who God is. We just build those relationships, go out of our way. For some of you, it's really easy because not only do you know everybody, but you're out there where, where you know, the rest of the world lives. For people like me, you guys have an advantage. For me, I could, I don't, stay holed up in my office all day, every day, and never talk to anybody that's not a Christian. I could do that. And so I, on purpose, have to go out of my way to try to build relationships outside of this circle of influence so that I can have a relationship and bring other people in because Jesus loves them as much as he loves us. And he died for them as much as he died for us. And it's not an us and them. We need to bring them in. And then the last one, the why, is yield. And that's one works on our hearts. It really works on our hearts. Yield to each other. Uh, that's, and I put down there dash unity. And the reason I say that one works on our hearts is because we all know that we're the smartest person in the room and we know the best way to do it. And, okay, I know that's not true. <laughs> but sometimes we want it our way or no way. And sometimes we, it's, I've never seen it done like that before. How is that ever going to work? And, and sometimes it's, I want to do it this new way, but I know that 
that we're not doing it this new way because it's going to offend everybody. It's called unity. We work together. We're willing to set us aside so that God can be glorified. And every place you read in the New Testament talks about unity of the body. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, put up with each other. (laughs) That one's profound, isn't it? Put up with each other. You know, and sometimes we just have to put up with each other. But it goes on to say, in love. Because we love each other, we'll do that. And I could get real personal and talk about married life, how my wife has to put up with things I do. And for 34 years, she's had to put up with them and doesn't look like they're going to change, you know, but she still loves me. And it's the other way too, you know, and, and, but she has to put up with more than I do. But anyway, so the last one is yield to each other, unity. And the reason I picked pray is because it's important. Because we have to pray. We have to pray. Because prayer changes us. And, and to help us with that purpose statement of praising God, revealing to each other who God is, approach others for God and yield to each other, I've started putting some things that are things to do into in action. One of them went around last Sunday, supper with a friend. It's going around again in case you weren't here last Sunday. So I'll just pass these out. If you haven't signed, please do. And, and it is about... It is about... Um, you put your name on there, so three groups, whether it's singles or doubles or triples, get together once a month for three months, and you have dinner together, and you share with each other. I'll have some games there for you, and it's also set up so that you invite somebody else, another couple or single with you, so there's four together, and it's, it's that part of reveal to each other who God is. Because as we get to know each other, we get to know God in them. So if you haven't signed up or you're being a little antsy about it, just give it a try. We have 22 groups, couples, singles, and triples signed up already. 22. That means seven. Seven. And, and if we can get more, that would be great. That means seven groups of three. I know that comes out to 21, so there'll be one group of four already. The other thing that, that has been done is this. If you, have, if you have it and haven't filled it out, what I think about the church, fill it out and bring it back. Say whatever you think you need to say about the church. But fill it out and bring it back. I didn't put a place for your name, so that, that gives you anonymity. But you can put your name on there if you'd like. And that's so that we, me, the board, the, the pastoral staff, everybody can get an idea of what we can do to work better together. The third thing is, 
on Tuesdays, you can write this down, at 8.30 in the morning, every Tuesday I'll be at the Corner Cup. That's not so you know where I'm at. Come and have coffee with me. Come and have coffee with me um, at 8.30 in the morning. We can talk about anything that you want, and we can pray. You don't have to stay there for hours. You can just come in for a couple minutes, grab a cup. Randy, could you please pray with me about it? We'll pray, and you can go on. But every Tuesday at 8.30, I'll be at the Corner Cup. Come. Get to know me. Get to pray with me. Ask me questions. I'll ask you questions. It'll be great. And if, it's, if it feels too crowded... Make an appointment with me. And then the last one, this is for the men. Because I know how you like to eat. (laughs) Starting this month, on the fourth Monday of each month, which is November 24th, it costs you money, just know that. $7 at 6.30 in the evening. We're going to have... um, Baker, I stole this from Baker City. They call it meet and greet, M-E-A-T. I, I stole it from them. We can call it that too if you'd like. But at 6.30, you come, you pick out the steak that you want to cook, and there'll be potatoes and a vegetable and a dessert. And we, you cook your own steak. And the reason that I was said you cook your own steak is so that you can't complain if it's cooked bad. You cook your own steak. And then there'll be a guest. It'll be one of you guys that will share your testimony, your life. This is the things that I've done. These are the the things that God has worked on me. This is how I came to know God. And and you just share about yourself. And it falls under reveal to each other. That's every fourth Monday. Monday. And you have to cook your own steak. But $7 covers all the food. Yeah. And it'll be right here at the church. Even in the winter, you can stand outside around the barbecue and cook your steak. And I hope you come. I hope you come because it gives us a chance. Us older guys need to hear what the younger guys are going through. And the younger guys need to know what the older guys have been through. And we just need to get to know each other. We, we don't have a softball team where we can get together anymore, so we got to get to know each other. So those are all the commercials. Let's talk about prayer. Brennan Manning said, and I think I have the quote on the slide, yes, the most powerful thing that can happen in the place of prayer is that you yourself become prayer. You leave the prayer room able as Jesus' hands and feet on earth. This is what it means to pray continually without ceasing, to see with the eyes of Jesus and to hear with his ears with every waking moment. Brennan Manning. He passed away two years ago. He was a Catholic monk. He was a Jesuit. He took the pledge of poverty. He was a professor at Notre Dame University. He was a drunk on the streets of Orlando. He also got married, which, you know, Catholic priests aren't supposed to do that, but he did. 
And through it all, he, he wrote his story about how God worked in his life. And this comment, prayer is the most powerful thing that can happen in the place, is that you yourself become the prayer. And that's why our purpose statement has become prayer, because prayer isn't just about telling God what we want or telling God who to heal next. Prayer changes our lives. Prayer needs to change our lives. And, and that's why we're called prayer. <clears throat> I, have, have any of you ever been to Lolo Hot Springs? You need to make a trip there. I saw, Aaron, did your hand go up? Okay. You need to make a trip there if you've never been there. It's right on the Idaho-Montana border southwest of Missoula. It, you go, okay, so from here you'd go to LaGrande Enterprise Lewiston, up the Clearwater River to Kamii, and then keep going. And you come to Lolo Hot Springs. I even have a picture of it for you to see. It's from the air. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Can't tell anything about it, can you? Except that blue spot is where the, the pool for the hot springs are. And, and there's cabins there. When we were kids, when we, meaning my sisters and brother and I were kids, my parents took us to Lolo Hot Springs. We got a cabin. And we, it was evening. So we went hiking, you know, late afternoon, we went hiking through the woods. And there's a, a stream that came out of the mountain and ran down the hill. It, it was very close to a waterfall. And it was also about 130 degrees or something like that where it came out. So we're hiking around, and we're crossing the stream on the hill. And as you know, hot water tends to have a lot of moss and algae growing. My mom slipped and rode it clear to the bottom, down the slick rocks. All she got was a few bruises, and her pride was damaged because there were five kids rolling on the ground, laughing at mom, sliding down the hill. But she went down. It was like a, uh, like a channel that she went down where the water had worn through the rocks and everything. She went down through that. And over the hundreds of years, or thousands or millions, however you want to look at it, of years, that, that rock was influenced by prayer, and it changed. After we got, okay, we're all up on the hill. After Dad laughed with us a little bit, he told us we need to behave ourselves and, and everything, and we went down to see how Mom was. And she just had a few bruises, nothing serious. And we had a great time the rest of the time. But those rocks were influenced by the water, and that's what prayer does to us. I listened to a friend of mine talk about, he was on staff as a youth pastor, and there was another staff member that was he didn't get along with. He goes to the senior pastor and says, you need to get rid of this guy. Gave him all the reasons why senior pastor need to fire this other staff person. I wasn't on staff with him, by the way. And, and the pastor said, well, you need to pray about it. We'll talk about it in a month. And he came back with the same attitude. And the pastor said, you probably, either you didn't pray about it or you need to pray some more. And after about three months of praying, 
he came back to senior pastor and said, don't fire him. That guy hadn't changed anything. The, the staff member he didn't like hadn't changed anything. But the one that was praying was changed. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, I pray for you every day. And then, you can go to that one, Greg. Romans 8, and and it begins with verse 5 and goes through 18. So we have 13 verses that that I'm going to read. So if you turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 5, I want you to see how prayer changes. And this, by the way, you'll be reading it on Wednesday. And it says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. A mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if, and it's not talking physical death there, he's talking spiritual death. But if by the spirit you put... To death the misdeeds of the body you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed... We share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And that's what prayer does. It takes a prayer for for our sins to be forgiven and God to become the Lord of our lives. It takes a prayer and it takes praying to put our mind focused on God. Now in church when I say what are you passionate about, your answer is supposed to be Jesus. But think about this. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? I have a son-in-law who loves video games. He loves them so much that he went to college to be a video game designer. He's not doing that. But he still plays video games. He is passionate about them. And you can get him set down and you can start talking about video games. And he knows all of them and knows how to beat all of them because he's passionate about them. When we're passionate, we, became, we become, I guess you could say, obsessed. Whatever it might be, 
we, we become obsessed with that. And I'm not trying to tell us that, that passion and being obsessed with something is bad because I know of and I've even met good Christian athletes, but they're obsessed with their sport, but they're also obsessed with God. And the reason I'm even brought passion out is so that you have an idea of how you should be in your prayers with Jesus. Passionate. Obsessed. Obsessed. I want to spend my time with him. I want to get to know him. I want to do whatever he says that I should do. And and some of us say, well, that's not me. But think about this. All of us show our passions in different ways. And all of us have different abilities. And some of us get to be so lucky as to stand up in front and preach. And some of us would just die if we had to be up here. And for some, it's, it's purely a miracle of God that we even get up here. Because it's not the normal thing we do, but because we're passionate about God, we're more than willing to do that. And it's through prayer and spending time with God that we get to know God and get to know about God and understand Him because we spend time. And too often our prayers are... um, We recite somebody else's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my toys to break. You know, we just repeat those. And and we don't, and sometimes even in this church, we sing the songs without even paying attention to the words because we've heard them so much. And and it just kind of wanes off a little bit. But when we spend time with God, it starts to change us. And discipleship is that, spending time with God. When you want to learn how to fish, you hang out with a fisherman. When you want to learn how to be a mechanic, you hang out with a mechanic. When you want to be a carpenter, you hang out with a carpenter. I know you can pull the stuff up on YouTube, and, but you sure learn more when you hang out with them and can ask questions. When you, even in college nowadays, if you're going to be a teacher, they start you right away going to classes and hanging out. And the same with if you want to be a pastor, they start you getting you involved in a church and hanging out because... We got to know if that's what we want to do, but we got to learn how to do it as well. When I went to college a long time ago, um, 36, 37 years ago when I graduated, they didn't do a lot of things they do now. I went to classes, you know, uh, learned about Jesus, learned about God, then they kicked me out the door. There you go. Do you know what I didn't know? I didn't take any classes hardly that dealt with people. And you know what I found out? I could step on people's toes really easy. And 
it's kind of a human thing, isn't it? We can easily step on people's toes, but the more time I spend with God, the more I understand. I'm reading a book right now that's called Unoffended. It's an offensive book. It tells you we shouldn't get upset. It says we shouldn't be surprised when people um, do wrong. We shouldn't be surprised when people go against what we think they should be because we're depraved people. And the example he gave is Jesus Christ. Jesus was never offended by people. Even when Peter said, I will follow you to death, and Jesus said, no, you won't. Before the crow, before the rooster crows three times, you'll have denied me. That's John 16. The start of John 17 is, but when you come back, he said, Jesus said, I know you're going to fail. And remember, we've just been reading it in, in um, my mind just went blank, Numbers? Deuteronomy? One of those two. Deuteronomy. Where we were reading it in Deuteronomy, where Moses is telling the people before they cross into the promised land what God said. And at the end of Deuteronomy, God says, you will turn your back on me. You will worship other gods. I will cause you to be scattered around the world and you will be in those other countries and you will worship their gods and then you will remember me and I will bring you back. Two or three hundred years before they actually did it. But he said, this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do and then you're going to do this and I will do this because I love you. And so unoffended says, people will. And we have to remember that God didn't get offended and doesn't get offended because he knows what we're going to do. And he knows what he's going to do, and he knows that he's really quick to forgive us of our sins. That's prayer. That's praying so much that we see the world like Jesus sees the world that even though we know they're going to kill us, we're going to forgive them anyway. That even though they may not come back to us, because Jesus also said the road to destruction is huge, but the road to life is narrow. He knows all that, but yet he was still willing to die. And we need to remember all that and still be willing to follow Jesus. And still be willing. We need to pray so much in our daily lives that other people's lives are changed. We need to do that. We need to pray so much that other people's lives are changed because they see God working in our lives. We need to take Romans 12:21 for what it says, make your life a living sacrifice. Do everything for God, be everything for God and leave the rest to him. That's prayer. I know it would be a whole lot easier if I did a sermon on telling us how to pray and when to pray and and say, well, you know, pray scripture. 
But I want it to be more than that, not just motions we go through. I want prayer to be our lives. Pray continually. And that's why I say pinpoint God and reveal God to the people around you and make relationships with people that don't know God and yield to each other. That's prayer because prayer is not only talking with God, it's putting it to action. We need to become like, well, you haven't met my dad. Greg met my sister yesterday and um, in, in Portland. So now I have to behave myself because he knows family members. <laughs> but you, you haven't met my dad. Uh, my dad is this tall. Yeah, he, he, he is. He used to be taller, but the weight of the world on his shoulders just sunk him down. But one day, a few years ago, my dad and I are standing there, and, and we're both standing like this, our thumbs tucked in our pockets, and we're just standing there. And, and Lynn's going, from behind, she goes, and you guys look just alike. You stand alike. We look alike, except I'm a lot heavier than he is, and he's a lot older than I am. But uh, our, our actions are alike. And, and he, Lynn even says, you know, some of the things I hear you say, it sounds like your dad. And it's purely because growing up, that was the guy I was following. And, and part of it's genes. That's why we look alike and things, except he's shorter. He's my mini-me. But it, it, a lot of it's because that's who I was hanging out with at growing up. Not everything he taught me was good and not everything I learned was good. But that's what it's supposed to be with God, that, that we're with him so much and follow him so much People will look at us and say, wow, I would think that would be what God was like. And we don't do it as a pride thing. We do it because we've decided it's more important to know God than to build us up on a pedestal. It's called humility. The other thing that the book Unoffended says, the only way that we can forgive and not be offended is to be humble. Because it's usually our pride that gets us all cranked up and that we have to be humble. That's what prayer does. So prayer isn't a real fast thing in the morning that says, God, I'm awake, help me survive the day. Away we go. And it's not a thing we say, thank you for the food, amen. And it's not a thing we say at the end of the day, God, I made it. Good night. Prayer is the way we live our life bringing honor to God, praising God, pinpointing God in our actions, our words, and our attitudes, and sharing God with the people around us, and being humble enough to know that God's got it. I don't need to fix it for him. That's what prayer is. That's what our purpose statement is, prayer, so that the people around us see God, and so God can use us any way he wants, to anybody he wants. It's submitting to God. And that's what we're going to do.
this morning. We're going to take communion, as you know, this morning. And we're going to take this opportunity during communion to pray. To pray like that, reveal to God, pinpoint God, reveal Him to others, and make relationships with people so that they can know God and to yield to each other. But it's even more than that. I'm looking for a Kleenex. I've decided that it's time for me to have a cold. Well, I didn't decide it, but it found me anyway. But today, during communion, as, as the things are being passed out and as the song's being sung, you don't have to sing if you don't want, but take some time and have a conversation with God and ask him, God, what do I need to do so that I can live a life of prayer and so that you are the Lord of my life and, and so that you become the most important thing to me and so that others can see you through me? And then, after you ask that question, say, okay, God, I'll do that. Whatever you need, if you need to ask forgiveness, if you need to change attitudes, if you need to change actions, whatever you need to do, if you need to say, okay, I'll give that up so that I can have more time with you. Do that. Commit to him. And be amazed. Because after all, what's the old saying? U-Haul, you can't take U-Haul to heaven? And I know you've heard me say that you're supposed to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, which is not get a bigger mansion than the other person. It's actually you are the treasures that I will have in heaven. If you're not there, my heart will be broken. If my family's not there, my heart will be broken. The treasures that are most important to God and to me is people is my family, is my friends, is my congregation, is my friends' friends. That's the most important. And so we've got to live in such a way that we're storing up treasures in heaven, which is pray. Pray. So as communion's being passed out, and ushers, you may come forward. As communion's being passed out, and as Jamie leads us in singing this morning, you can sing and pray, or you can just pray and, and ask God, what do I need to do, God, so that you'll be honored? Do you need two back there? 